0: okay um well thanks for joining us this morning um we weren't expecting the snow down here in kansas so that was a pleasant surprise um they didn't provide ice scrapers in the rental cars either so we uh, <laughs> We're a used our headrests um but anyway so welcome to the meeting um i'm tony kellen uh with wendell and uh I'll let the rest of our team introduce. I'm a project manager, Susan. Good
1: morning, everyone. I'm Susan Sherwood. I am a principal at Wendell, also a project manager for this project.
2: And I'm, uh, I'm Scott Neal.
3: Uh, I am the project architect on the project. And I am Taryn Kroll. I am also an architect with Wendell project.
4: And I am Ann Frank Kurtzog. I'm with Shockey
1: Consulting, and I also am a Lawrence president. And I'm helping work with the engagement on the on the team.
0: Hey, um, the folks on the call, do they want to introduce themselves? I can see we'll start on the bottom. We've got well, Adam, go ahead. They probably all know you.
5: Sure. Uh, Adam Weigel, Transit and Parking Manager for the City of Lawrence, and Sarah.
6: Sarah Hoogerhide. Um, I'm an area manager for Greyhound bus lines. Great.
0: Great, Sarah,
2: and Michael. Um, Mike a uh, new area manager for uh, the area.
0: Okay, I didn't catch that area manager for.
2: It's Greyhound. I just started with them
0: uh, oh. last week. Okay. And who else do we have? Anne? Is there additional or? I'm looking. Renee Hart. We had Ava and Renee. Renee
7: or Renee? Hi, I'm Renee Hart. I'm, I'm representing KDOT.
0: Thanks for
7: John, John Moore has taken another position, so.
8: Okay. Oh. okay. Hi, I'm Ava Steinman. I am community planner for Kansas and Missouri for FTA region seven. Perfect,
0: thanks for joining us.
5: I'm uh, not, not sure if Gary can hear us, but he's a uh, project engineer uh, with the city of Lawrence. And then from our team also, we have Nate Will.
2: Hi, i Nate Will from HG Consulting. I'm the uh, civil engineering lead for the project
0: i think i have another
2: team of people that help me that are more local i'm based out of colorado but we have two local guys that are uh, working more on the project too
0: thanks nate okay so we'll just start out thanks for joining us again um as you can see on the screen this is stakeholder meeting number seven so we did six meetings yesterday with stakeholders plus you know the city and the university so we've packed a lot in so far um just to tell you a little bit about the project. Um, Wendell, we're the design uh, architecture firm. We're a full, full service AE firm, and we've, as you've heard, it has some local partners helping us on this as well from Kansas. And uh, so, we really have two distinct projects. We have the multimodal facility, which is at Crestline and Bob Billings uh, near KU. Um, that's going to be a uh, approximately 5,000 square foot facility. With 10 bus slips and then two additional bus slips for inner, inner city carriers, uh, one of which would be Greyhound. Uh, great to see uh, Greyhound on the call. Um, I will tell you, I'm personally very familiar with Greyhound because uh, we were one of the first uh, Midwest ticketing agencies that was actually operated out of a bus uh, system in St. Cloud, Minnesota. And so we became ticketing agents and had the first, some of the first. Uh, online ticketing computers in 1992 in st cloud minnesota so i was a was a greyhound agency with our transit system for many many years before i uh, changed uh, jobs in 2013 so i'm very familiar with greyhound the passenger service the package service we did both of those and we did a lot of it out of our location we were also a university town so um, I'm sure that you probably have a similar profile of users in this area, with, especially with the university. So we're glad that, to have you on the call and to hear about uh, how this could help with your service. Um, Great, thank you. Yes. Um, so really, our goal is to hear what your concerns, your desires, your wishes would be for the Intermodal Center. And then secondly, um, because this intermodal, this multimodal is being located by the university, the scope of the downtown transferring operations uh, in their uh, hub system is going to change quite a bit. And so they're also uh, doing a route restructuring study, which we are, the studies both kind of inform each other in some respects, I would say. But uh, our mission downtown is to look at uh, city property. That um, and we've identified five sites and we're, we're whittling that down to three, but looking at um, approximately five bus slips uh, in the downtown area and some very basic amenities for transferring there. So we have. Um,
2: I was just showing the sites. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Scott <is doing> <laughs> black. <laughs> All right. Yeah,
0: oh, here we go. he got here. a screen share. So okay. here's the. But it's gonna. Kind of, there it is. There's the Bob Billing site, um, and so we have a kind of a blank slate to work with there. So I think that's a good high-level overview of of the two elements of the project. And so we what we want to do is let you you do the talking, we'll let you tell us uh, what concerns, input, and so forth that you would have. And we're going to try to capture this in real time um, and store it to our uh, virtual whiteboard. And then at the end of this process, we're going to consolidate all the input and comments that we receive. So with that, I'm going to uh, ask if Adam has anything else he wants to add to bookend this, if I've missed anything,
5: and then we'll let, the, uh, let you folks uh, share. Um, I, I don't have too much to add. I will be interested um, to hear from Sarah and Michael about what you like or don't like about your current location next to the library and if it um, and if it makes sense for you all to, to m- move to the new multimodal center, I think there's some, some easier access from the highway down Iowa to it. But um, just thinking about some of your other needs and, and what sure. might be important from your end.
6: Sure. Um, we always uh, like the, space, um, the spaces in intermodal stations because of the connectivity. Um, we do have a number of ways that we can organize connectivity um, with your, like, local routing as well, um, if we take a look at those, but that is always our preference. I would say that I have no complaints um, on the library location that we have now. Um, you know, that's, that's functioning well for us, but, you know, if we have the option to move into an intermodal, I think that would be our preference. Um, We do hold a contract with the city, so we would need time to negotiate with them um, our exit from the library location um, if we were speaking on this. And then the only other thing, if we're in a larger station, um, we would really be interested in like maybe a dedicated slot uh, for our ability to put on wayfind signage and information pertaining to our e-ticketing system—it's easier for us to route that way, um, but it's not—it's not, uh, not a an absolute necessity. So we we could have those conversations as well. Hey Sarah, this is Susan. Sherwin. Yes. Um, would you would
1: Greyhound prefer to be at the downtown? Facility or out at the multimodal facility at uh,
6: Billings. Um, so we do um, most of our uh, service product is dedicated to the students there, um, and and we relate around the students. So we would want to be in a facility that's easily accessible to the students. Um, if that was a transfer facility, um, that's understandable. But also, if you have uh, route, uh, routes running to your intermodal that would make it easily accessible for the students, that could work as well. Either way, our, our main um, goal is to be accessible to the students there. Gotcha.
1: Um, second question for you, are you still manning your ticket counters or is everything e-ticketed right now in the future?
6: So f- during COVID, um, we reduced our ticket counters by quite a bit. Um, we don't and haven't, uh, done any ticketing in Lawrence for quite some years. Um, we do all e-services and I, I, we can look at the numbers, but I don't see that we would want to move to a full servicing ticketing, uh, location unless our volume really changed out of Lawrence, um, with the connectivity, but at this time, I would think we would continue to uh, I'll be looking at an e-stop.
1: Okay, so all we'd be looking at is a dedicated space within the station for a ticket machine or two or however, however many based on volume.
6: Um, generally, when I said dedicated slot, I was meaning for the bus parking.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, um, I mean within the station for your e-ticket machines.
6: Uh, we don't really, we don't, we have some ticketing machines, but we don't, um, in on locations, we don't really utilize those. And all of our ticketing is done through our online platform.
1: Okay. That's good. So, so necessarily have to give you much of anything, maybe information boards or nothing.
6: Yeah. We could do some, like some wayfind signage. Um, we could put a large uh, board out where our dedicated slot is with information pertaining to how to access our e-ticketing. Um, or our call center. Um, but I, I think internally, we wouldn't need much space. Now, if we were to see a large increase in volume um, or if the city was interested in taking on you know, commission sales or something along those lines, we might be interested in room to grow within Lawrence. Um, but at this time, I think we're just looking for the, the bus slot itself and the e-ticketing to continue. Um, maybe maybe we think down the line, or or if we have the volume to uh, staff ticketing,
1: that's fine. That gives us a perfect idea of what we need to provide for space for you folks. So thank you. And then as far as your
2: as far as your um, your bus slips, um, do you have a preference? I mean, a lot of times we're doing herringbone, but since it's only two. Um, I mean, we could continue with the sawtooth that's already going to be there. Does it
6: matter? Um, No. Generally speaking, we tend to uh, prefer not to back um, at any location where we're not fully staffed. Um, So any kind of pull through. um, I think the sawtooths generally have pull through capability. So anything like that, that's just a safety concern when we don't have backers. Sure.
2: Yeah, with with hair and bone, we That would just be more of a you still pull forward. It would just be more of a, you know, a a striped area for people for luggage and boarding. But um, I can see where we just do soft
0: tooth here. And then I I wanted to not to interrupt the Greyhound discussion, but Megan joined us. Megan, do you want to introduce yourself with senior resource center? Resource center.
4: Here. Sure. Sorry. Uh, sorry, I was a little late. Uh, I'm Megan Poindexter. I'm the executive director for the Senior Resource Center. And I think there's folks maybe that are not from Lawrence uh, or who are necessarily physically here, but we are, uh, my window overlooks the Vermont Street um, transfer area. And we also provide uh, specialized transportation, ADA compliant transportation to seniors throughout Douglas County. So that's my um, that's my reason for attendance. Uh, I believe that just because I love to help.
0: Megan, <laughs> are you a
1: fifty three ten provider? Then
4: we are a fifty one thirty.
1: Fifty one thirty. Okay. So you own your buses, or are you? Is this? Is this? Are you guys in collaboration with the city bus system, or yeah. separate?
4: we are separate? Yep, we are independent. Um, we own. We have a number of KDOT vans, and then we have a couple privately owned as well. And uh, and we're in the process of getting a couple of more KDOT vans.
1: Interesting.
5: So part of the invite list for this group was folks who uh, we Florence Transit collaborates with through the Regional Transit Advisory Committee. So that's where um, we are able to interface with a lot of the social service providers and other uh, places throughout our community that provide their own transportation, but that tend to have some you know, potentially some overlapping clientele um, needs in people's daily lives.
4: We also do some just kind of behind the scenes support of folks as they're applying for access to use of the T-Lift um, while they're waiting for approval. Typically we only provide services to people 60 or over, um, but individuals under 60 who have disabilities and are waiting for their T-Lift approval will provide transportation to them in that in the meantime, but then also kind of any we'll fill in where needed um, if we need to so
1: Megan do you envision your services providing like first mile last mile from the intermodal facility potentially do you guys say
4: that that again do
1: do you envision your services providing like first mile last mile services to maybe the intermodal for um, some of your um, clients who might want to go to Greyhound or to the express services or anything like that or, and do you do that now currently?
4: That's a great question um, We don't necessarily do that now. I don't think that we would have a problem with that. Um, we're because we're independent, we're pretty flexible and and uh, and can look at things that our community need and, and address them as, as appropriate. Um, so that'd be something I'd be interested in learning more about.
5: Yeah. Megan might have some good perspective on the downtown improvements as well, because as she mentioned, she's her um, her folks are right across the street from our current location on Vermont, so there's some interfacing there, and and we actually use one of our routes use a little cutout that's in front of the Senior Resource Center as a layover place for um, buses heading southbound there. So, yeah, Megan Meg might have some thoughts on, on what we're doing.
1: Yeah, that might be something you want to explore. I would think because if we're bringing all these services into the multimodal at um, Bob Billings, there might be a big opportunity there for you to provide some longer-range options for the senior community and the disabled community. Quite frankly, um, to be able to leverage, um, you know, either the express bus or Greyhound.
4: Yeah, that's a great thing. I hadn't thought about that, so I'm glad you mentioned it.
1: Yeah, we'll just make sure, Adam, that when we are looking at the site layout. I'm um, putting really Worthen Scott's mouth behind me here. He'll be looking at site layout to make sure that there is um, ample opportunity for. I'm assuming you guys are driving vans. Okay.
4: We have uh, right now. I think we've got five ADA vehicles, um, but two of them. One of them lives in Eudora, and one of them lives in Baldwin, because we are we serve the whole community or the whole county, and so there's a there's a little bit of a sites up there. Um, and, and like I mentioned, we're in the process of getting two more ADA vehicles but one of them will continue to live in Baldwin.
1: Thank you.
2: So how many, um, maybe I missed that, how many van spots are we looking at there?
1: I would would think, Adam, I don't step in here, but I feel like if we provided at least one flex bay where a van could have ADA accessibility, that would probably be sufficient.
2: Yeah, because the reason I'm asking is there was, um, Adam, you had requested a supervisor's van as well, Um, or a body on chassis, it sounded like, um, something along those lines. So maybe we'll just incorporate that into the parking.
5: Yeah, I think that's worth thinking about. I don't know if it it overlaps. We talked briefly in other meetings about the Kiss and Ride space. Is that a place that's more flexible? So I think there's a couple different ways it it could be. But I don't know, I don't know how much other providers like SRC or others in the community might be laying over at at the facility making that connection. I'm, I'm just not sure. There's not, I don't know how much of that currently exists downtown as far as Connections to and from there. Most of um, Megan's service and others in the community are, are pretty door to door. I mean, people are getting from to and from where they need to go. So probably good to think about. I just don't know how much volume we'll need of that type of service.
1: So Adam, I think one of the things that you should consider, and we can answer this question probably later today, is whether or not we want to add or or flex one of the slips to be a micro transit. In generalized microtransit slip, where you might have other providers that see this opportunity and have similar type of vehicles, um, where you don't need a full bus, you know, bay at the at the facility, but you want to have you know a um ADA compliant type of space where they can get in and out of the facility and on onto the platform and onto their connections, um, because I feel like. The, the, that's the big buzzword these days, right, is microtransit and all of these different types of first-mile, last-mile services that are going to come to these facilities in the future. Um, and right now, we don't currently have that program. Um, that's fine, but this is the time to flush that out if we want to do that or not.
5: Just um, something for you to consider? Yep, that's a good discussion to have, and I think um, agency around microtransit is perhaps a part of our solution with route redesign that is overlapping with this. I think we envisioned one of the 10 bus bays we talked about one or more being for that type of service. So yeah, we can continue that thought process. Okay. I might share, I've been texting with some folks from the K10 connector, uh, which is our other uh, intercity bus service that connects University of Kansas to Johnson County Community College um, towards Kansas City. So they're not able to be on the call today, but um, at least got a, a little information via text. Uh, just some concerns from their end. Um, uh, it's just route timing, you know, as they as they weave through campus, um, They, I think they're interested in locating at the new facility and, and using commuter bay, uh, but they'll be interested in how that affects their timing, getting in and out of of the city. I, I imagine it'll, it would be cleaner and better at the facility, but something to think about.
1: Is that the same as the Kansas City Express bus that we talked about?
5: Yeah, that there's there's one bus that connects Lawrence to, to Kansas City and it's the K-10 connector.
1: Okay. We've been calling it the Jo-Co The joko okay. one because it goes to Johnson County. That's the one that goes to Johnson County Community College. So,
4: yeah, so
5: it used to be named the Joe. Um, uh, a lot of the services in Kansas City came under the Ride KC umbrella. Um, so Ride KC Transit, um, the KCATA Transit Authority kind of pulled all of these services together from Johnson County and in Independence and City, Kansas, and Missouri. Um, and I think at that time, K10 Connector was the new name for that.
1: Thank you. That's why want I make sure we're not we confusing anything. <laughs> it's not
8: another one, it's the same one.
1: Yeah, it,
5: it happens, so that's okay. I guess, I guess just while I'm thinking about it and your your uh, question, Susan, just made me think of other services beyond the social service providers in town that might, it might be a good connection point at like a flex bay. Um, I think about, there's, there's pretty limited services, but there are a couple services of like airport shuttles that connect people to Kansas City um, International. Um, there are a handful of larger apartment complexes in town that have their own vans. And we tend to see them at our bus stops around town. Um, perhaps it makes sense We'll have to think about if we want to allow access for that type of thing, but that's something to consider for the, the flex bay idea.
2: I think, I, I think the... Um you know, even, even in some of our projects out in Phoenix, we're finding that the the ride hail, the the kiss and ride is really morphed into, um, a larger programmatic flex area for people. Um, because, you know, if you think about, you know, kiss and ride just used to be somebody dropping off and now it's just been overtaken, um, by ride hail, um, services and what have you. So I think that's something we should, um, Know expand in this just for the future because I think that's you know, like you said, uh, there's a variety of vehicles that are probably going to want to access the site, but mixing them with your fleet is still something we want to shy away from, right? Uh, Because that's just a safety thing, right? Yeah, like
1: the Ubers and the the
3: apartment shuttles. Well, I mean, just look airport at airports that just showed up so
2: quickly that now they're modifying parking garages for a hundred ride
3: hail.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, go to Minneapolis Airport to the Uber line. Right. Um. So yeah, I, I think that that's a really good point. on uh, because one of the things we need, to, we really need to pay attention to Adam is the uh, separation of pedestrians, cars, and buses in the circulation on site, especially at the multimodal facility. Um,
5: well, if I'm there. <laughs> See, we've had Linda join the call. I don't know if Linda right. wants to introduce herself.
4: Yes,
3: may I us? Hello, oh, Linda Thompson. Everybody's stepping away.
0: everybody, might shut off every ten minutes. <laughs> so.
5: I saw Linda unmute for a second, but I don't know, Linda, if you can hear us or if you might be able to introduce yourself.
0: We have a new guest. Linda Thomason, can you hear us?
5: There might be audio challenges, but um, Linda, it might be interesting if you if you wanted to um, introduce maybe through the chat, we know who's who's with us and can maybe help address concerns that way. Um, In the meantime, I don't know if uh, Ava or Renee from federal or state perspective have different thoughts on this type of center, um, just from your perspective.
7: Well, this is Renee and I'm just um, really pleased that Greyhound Um, as a part of this conversation, and um, I don't have a lot to add. I think this is a a lot of good things to think about uh, on that separation of cars and buses. Um, I was thinking of e-scooters and bike share, and I didn't know if that was planned to be a part of this, and if it would, that would be another consideration to um, avoid conflicts with the buses.
5: Do you have uh, is scooter services around this area? I haven't seen any. Okay. Well, it's a little. I do not there. Um, so, in we were gearing up for a pilot launch of scooters in spring of 2020. So, pandemic um, hit. Uh, that pandemic uh, hit, as well as a uh, prior. A bike share operator in town um, left a pretty bad taste in the community's mouth when they uh, disposed of around 300 bicycles, taking them to the dump. Um, uh, so there, there were some complications <laughs> with, with us getting that off the ground. It was pretty critical that scooters would be able to be used on both city property and university property for proper ridership, and the university had had really... Um, shied away from that being a priority as the pandemic continued and budget issues came up, um, and just the, the typical safety concerns about operation of scooters on sidewalks and in the street, and us not having a fully built out, you know, bike lane system or protected bikeway system. So it's been put on hold a couple of times. There was thought that maybe we'd launch a pilot this spring, um, again with with everything continuing to be a challenge both budgetarily and, and through the pandemic, I think it remains on hold um, kind of until both the city and the university are ready to move forward. There's also not, uh, well, the first time it came around, there was some political pressure or interest from KU students. And uh, you know it was included in student senate platforms as different groups of students were running for those governance leadership positions. Um, there's also not that currently. So there's not a lot of pressure from the community or from students right now to say, please give us scooters. So there's staff is kind of ready and willing, but there are there are challenges to implementation, and enforcement of rules and parking and all that. So it's kind of out there, but not being implemented yet.
3: We should maybe
1: program some space for future potential
5: absolutely makes sense in our efforts to put bike parking on the, on the site for that to be inclusive of, um, dockless vehicles or something that would just attach the bike racks through there.
2: Yeah. Well, what we know, what we know about the scooters, if you don't plan for them, they really do become litter. Um, they, they just get dropped everywhere. So I think, I think we'll add that. Um, and we are going to have a significant, Long-term and short-term bike area, so um, that would seem to make sense that
5: that's included there. So Linda put in the chat that she's just here to listen. I guess Linda, if you wouldn't mind putting in the chat, if if you have any thoughts about um, housing authorities' need or desire or future desire to interface with the site, with your vehicles? Would it be helpful to have a place to plug in a housing authority van as you're moving people around town? Or just any thoughts about how the housing authority might or might not interact with this? the new site out of Bob Billings and Crestline or downtown?
7: Adam, this is um, Renee again, and um, I was just, Thinking about um, recently, I've been watching a lot of webinars where um, these facilities have been used for vaccination sites. And so um, I was just thinking about having some type of multi-purpose space um, just for future if that need arises and how it can be used. I'm sorry, Renee, are you from
1: KDOT or from FTA?
7: I'm from KDOT. (laughs) I'm trying to keep everybody straight here, sorry.
1: I can only see, I can only see some people so, on this so screen. Was the screen. So a question, I'm sorry. Um, vaccination site for multi-purpose spaces. So what mm-hmm. we're seeing right now um, in other areas of the country is, yes, yeah, they are using um, multiple um, sites for vaccination and, or they're using multiple multimodal sites to move people to a third area for vaccinations um, utilizing the transit system. Um, what we are seeing is that they're generally doing it outdoors. Or they're doing it in the waiting area spaces. But we could certainly look at making a multi-purpose area. Um, it might stretch the program a little bit more than what is program right now. Um, but that's what we are currently seeing from other transit agencies. And I don't, Adam, if you guys are doing any of that right now or not.
5: Um. We have routes that serve the couple of mass vaccination sites that we have been using in town, the fairgrounds and the hospital. Um, so that's typically how we've been involved in getting people to and from those type of sites. Um, it's an interesting thought, uh, you know, I think when we, we toured Kansas City's facility um, last week and they, had, they had some space that they might do future improvements on. It was kind of an open space. Um, it's an intriguing thought. I don't, kind of don't know what you don't know, you know and what, what you might have in a space like that. I had not put much thought into that.
6: I did want to mention real quick, um, when earlier when I had said room to grow and you're talking about multi-purpose sites or something that might give you some growth space, um, I also want to make it clear that Greyhound has been able to reduce our footprint to very small, uh, kiosks that even when we were talking about full service sales, um, generally speaking, the only thing that has prohibited us from moving into intermodal stations, um, has been storage space for our shipping or GPX. Um, so we were recently looking at an intermodal uh, station in Missouri, but we really we could have created the kiosk space um, in order to sell and service our customers, but there just wasn't any remaining space on site where we could have put up, you know, a rack to hold some of our shipping there, and so we had to we had to choose another location. So having a little additional room for for the future. For time to grow, I think is is a wise thought. Okay, yeah, that
0: makes sense. Sarah, do you have any departures that are outside the operating hours? arrivals, departures outside of their normal operating hours.
6: Currently, right now, we run four services between. Um, our first one comes in at 6:40 a.m. and then our last one departs at 11:40 p.m.
1: It's all e ticketed, you know, right? You know, like, but I'm talking about for facility
0: security, uh, passenger comfort, and waiting if the facilities closed down, those were always issues that we had. Yeah. Um,
6: what was the last one 11? Uh, 11 40 p.m.
0: Yeah, so that's, cool. that's when they're on
2: demand, yeah, sure. Really the six to eight, to eight. right. Yep.
6: And we don't have any dwell time currently in Lawrence. So there's not a whole lot of maneuverability because we are, we do um, make those schedules so that they are functional for layovers at our uh, major terminals like Kansas City or Dallas. And that way, if they're traveling a longer distance, they don't have long layovers at our transfer hubs. Um, yeah. There can be some adjustments um, in timing. And we would certainly take, you know, we would take any suggestions that you had into account. Um, I will say that we bid out our runs quarterly. So although most of the time our subsidy routes stay pretty close to the timing, there could be adjustments in those timing. Um, I'd say, you know, 15 minutes, to half an hour here and there, depending on other routes that change. Um, but of course we would happily keep you informed of those changes and, and work with you through that.
5: I was just do you have like real time information on your vehicles that we could display somewhere on site on a sign or a app or anything?
6: Yes, degree. absolutely. We have so we have bus tracker services on our website, and then we also um, have a third party that we can that we work with with uh, e vendors to display our schedule on site. Generally speaking, if the display is static, um, we we have to have someone physically make the change to the schedule when our when our quarterly bids come up. Um, But there's a we have a number of of uh, locations with some sort of e signage, and we do have a bus tracker system as well, um, right on our website. Oh, good. So we can can
1: we can do real time information. information. Yeah, that's 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 pretty common these days. Um, Renee, I'm not sure on how much we you delved into the um traffic situation out at the Bob Billings Parkway site, um, but it is a four-lane highway with median, um, and I know we're gonna have to do a traffic study of some form. Um, Would you be the contact to coordinate um, the the ideas we have in our head about potential traffic calming and or other issues?
7: Yes, you can. um... Yes, we can be in touch and then I can get you in touch with the right um, department.
1: Okay, yeah, because I think that we need to have that conversation probably sooner rather than later because um, I think there might be a cost impact potentially and we probably want to understand from KDOT's perspective what our limitations are within that you know, intersection area.
5: Certainly. Adam do you have and, any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, Bob Billings is not a state I mean, it's a big road, um, uh, I- Iowa certainly is, but that's that's not an intersection we'll be at. Um, so I think a lot of that coordination will also be with the city.
1: The thing is just basically with the city but not with KDAP?
2: This will impact be, Iowa. So. Iowa is a state route, correct?
1: Right. Yeah. Okay. yeah. But Bob Billings is not. So as, yeah. long as, we, as long as we avoid doing anything in Ohio or Iowa, we're good
5: yeah Bob Billings is our highway. it's not highway.
7: <laughs> okay we would certainly you know appreciate being kept in the loop with anything
2: sure. So so Adam then we can do the traffic coming
0: yeah no, I don't, I don't yeah wasn't that a roundabout we were talking
2: <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna shut down the road. you have to go around it now. Peds only.
1: We have been very impressed with with the high level of um, of roundabouts that we've encountered since we entered in Kansas. I have to tell you, I'm a big fan of roundabouts. Anyway. <laughs> also, Megan just put it posted here too, and I put it up here about uh, people have concerns about people who have used power wheelchairs yeah. and they need places to plug in and charge up their chair. We've had that noted in a couple other things about having charging stations for electronics, but other uh, things. Yep, I think that's, I think these days it's probably just a standard. Mm -hmm. Making sure there's enough coordinated spots, though, for that use. Yeah, Um, the the right locations, accessibility. Is there, so I think, is it Ava? Is
8: here from FTA? Yeah, I'm I'm here from FTA.
1: Is it Ava or Eva? Ava. Ava, thank you for clarifying that. Um, from your perspective, um, is there anything we should be thinking about looking at, concerned about, um, um, relative to what we're talking about here today?
8: You know, I think a lot of really good ideas are coming up here, uh, and you have a lot of great partners at the table, Um, and so one thing that I was kind of thinking of as we were talking about with the multi-purpose space, you know, not necessarily a uh, separate room or anything to a, a facility, but those spaces can be good for um, public involvement too. having something at the facilities to have different setups for public meetings and um, input kind of thing. So that's just something to, to add to that discussion. But no, like I said, I think you've got a, real, a lot of really great um, people at the table and having good discussions here.
0: They bring up a, a great uh, comment there because we have a project that's very similar to this in uh, Lynchburg, Virginia. And it's about the same size facility. In fact, we kind of featured it in our proposal to the city. And so they're a little bit familiar with it. But we took and added a second floor, of about 2,500 square feet um, for that very purpose for <coughs> space use. Obviously, Adam doesn't have the budget for that. Um, for a second floor, but that, you know, these spaces make for some really good uh, uses for those types of things.
3: Yeah, you know, what you're seeing now is the move towards not, you know, a congregation of spaces, uh, you know, more so of sharing the spaces, uh, but making it functional as far as a layout to be truly multi-purpose. And, um, you know, that that's obviously our goal because we think might change Like right now you're talking COVID vaccination sites, that's not, that might not be the concern here is, you know, five years. It could be something potentially different, public meetings, you know, things of that nature. So I think the flexibility is it, always key in this type of facility and obviously something that will make sure that is forefront in any sort of space that's provided.
0: Yeah, we've seen another element is travel training you know, having space to do travel training right out here. You know, a
2: I think the problem with the second floor is you're going to have to add an elevator to be ADA accessible.
0: Yeah, no, I I, I get that, Gary. I was just saying that we've seen, we've definitely seen that type of uh, uh, public, public meeting space.
3: Yeah. The lights are also becoming a destination for all kinds of activity um, within the community. So. Definitely being more so thought of as that destination. So not just for the actual transportation, but the needs of the community coming together.
4: Um, We are time wise, do we want to talk about downtown at all? Because everything's going on multimodal, do we want to talk about downtown?
0: Uh, Yeah, does anybody have uh, downtown? Um, I know the focus has been the multimodal and probably for good reasons, but We've got about five to seven minutes left before we need to transition to the next meeting.
5: I did have one other issue maybe wanted to um, ask Greyhound's thoughts. So in discussions with Brad Allen, the library director downtown, um, I know they interface with a lot of folks who use Greyhound and they, they did say that they a couple of challenges are people who need to print out tickets or, or buy a ticket with cash and have to go somewhere else to do that. We are exploring the possibility of having like a customer service staff and window there that could maybe do that type of work. Um, but That's not firm yet. And I guess in the event that we're not able to staff anything, are there other solutions for people who are trying to get a ticket with cash? Are there kiosks or anything else that if someone doesn't have a smartphone that they can that we would want to think about and getting people connected to and from Greyhound local service. Sure.
6: sure. I, I think that this is a, a multi-part answer. So first and foremost, we've um, through DOT standards and the e-logging of our driver's hours, we've moved um, our ticketing systems uh, strongly into the electronic realm. Um, Now drivers, very recently, uh, within the past few months, they have the capability to look up ticket holders and put them on the manifest, even if they're not holding a ticket, so they would just need an ID. Um, So that's been our recent improvement in that, uh, so that if they are purchasing tickets online and are unable to print them, we still have access to be able to serve them in the community. we love ticket sales. Uh, they do tend to generate like cash on-site sales tend to generate more ridership in general. Um, it's just a weighing of the uh, cost to sell at the location itself. So you know, it's it, there's the benefit, of course, to the expansion of uh, the ridership um, and people' abil- ability to take it. Um, but we also have to keep in mind how much that costs Greyhound compared to the amount of ridership that we do have. Um, With that being said, we do have some uh, cash sale options. We work with ACE um, uh, Ace cash uh, sales and 7-Eleven. And those, when we do have partnerships with those to purchase tickets in cash at those locations, It's not a widely used program and I would have to check to see if we have anything available in your region um, for that Um, and I can get that information back to you if we do have something locally or not and if not, we can look and see if we can reach out to 7-Elevens or something in your area to access that. It's it's not a widely used program. You're still accessing the ticket online, uh, building the ticket online, and then going to one of these locations um, to purchase the ticket in cash. Um
5: yeah, if you might might be able to send us that info. I think I think it's my understanding there's some place that people do that. I I don't know the volume, but I think Brad mentioned there's somewhere along Sixth Street that people have to travel to when they're using the
6: I I will get you. Mm -hmm. I'll get you whatever addresses are available in the region, and you can look at it online, and when you're building the ticket, it does give you a cash sale option if there are stuff in the region, so it is available, and um, potentially, if that was the route we were going, we could certainly um, include some of that information on our signage or something along that line. Um, We do, uh, you know, it is imperative if we're not, if we don't have a cash sales location that we try to take as much work off. And I know that in the library, Brad had seen a number of passengers that needed to print tickets and otherwise. And so we do focus on some of those issues uh, for our e-ticketing to try to take some of that pressure off of the the local uh, staffing. But if you if you do have ticketing there and you want to have a conversation about um, picking up commissions on our sales, I would be happy to have that conversation anytime.
0: Sarah, I want to just mention one other thing, too, because uh, in my former agency, we had a pretty robust package delivery system, mm-hmm. and um, the space requirements for the storage racks that we had for Greyhound were not significant, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have uh, off hour key access uh, electronic mm-hmm. security system for the drivers to be able to get those packages. It worked really well. Yep. It was commissionable sales. We were a regional medical center in central Minnesota, so we had a lot of surgical tools that were shipped between um, companies that provide specialized tools for hip surgeries, knee surgeries, things like that. And so I don't know what your package sales are like, but that would be a thing you might want to explore too, Adam, uh, because the space requirements and the revenue gained um, can be kind of interesting just depending on the location.
6: Mm -hmm. And we still offer what we call lock boxes, um, either smaller boxes or even the size of a storage shed that you would see at Home Depot, um, where we have universal locks that the drivers can access. However, we don't offer any GPX services on staff locations. So the the only possibility for shipping services to come in to Lawrence would be to have a Ticketing counter or services through that. All right, so it's exclusive.
2: That's
0: good to know. And I,
6: I, I guess I would like to touch too that we would be much more likely to have ticketing if we were to work with a, you know, the city or a, a pre-positioned ticketing situation rather than bring in our own contractors to um, do the sales because that that raises our costs quite a bit. So that would we would be a lot more along the lines to work with the city on those ticketing services. Um, That'd be a lot more likely.
0: Okay, so we have just a couple more minutes to wrap up. Um, I wanna, again, just say does anybody have any input on the downtown transfer locations or just that service down
7: there, concerns or feedback. This is um, Renee at KDOT, and I was just thinking, um, would you be moving away from the library altogether with this center?
0: I think based on the locations that we're looking at, um, there's a high probability that we would be uh, not right next to the library in the future.
7: Um, I was one wondering, um, you know, parking maybe for the a mobile, library bus or some type of library service?
0: Yeah, I think right now the stage we're at, we're, we're drilling down, we had five sites that we're looking at, we think that that's just based on what we've seen so far is, is quickly narrowing to three viable sites so where we can really do the program. Um, and none of those three sites are uh, next to the library.
3: There's to
0: there, there block oh, away from the just, library. But I think Adam wasn't one of the sites earlier in the parking lot right near the library. But that was when the scope of the project was much larger.
5: Yeah, one of our challenges currently, Renee, is just that being immediately adjacent to buildings with businesses in them. So some of the areas we're looking at are our parking lots that are near. There are a couple that aren't near the library. Um, but not immediately adjacent so hopeful that people might still be able to get to and from the library but maybe it becomes less of a during layover visit sort of thing and more intentional from the transit area to the library and back
0: okay with that we've got about six or seven minutes to transition to our next meeting and get people on so um, thank you so much if you do have future or something that comes up in your mind, you can certainly, uh, I think with the appointments that you have, you do have Ann's email, we'll put that in the chat as well, uh, anne at ShockyConsulting.com, and feel free to reach out to her and we'll consolidate any additional comments we might get um, over the next few days into this uh, report. So thank you so much. Uh, for being here today.